Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bibles ready, we'll be in our verse-by-verse study through the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 1 through 21. The title of this sermon is, Is Your Walk in Christ a Sweet-Smelling Aroma to God? Here is the first half of this two-part study. Amen. Amen. So last week we actually were dealing with the putting off and the putting on. Right? Things to put off, things to put on. And and so we were talking about lying and anger and wrath and, you know, all those wonderful things. Stealing, uh, evil speaking and clamoring. And now he's going to talk to you about walking. Walking. It is your Christian walk. It's your relationship with Christ. It is not your mom and dad's relationship with Christ. It is your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's individual. Okay? And that's something important to remember because a lot of times we want to correct our spouse. We're not willing to do the things that God is asking us to do. We're willing to correct our parents, but we're not willing to do the things that God is asking us to do. And you can go on and say you're willing to correct the pastor, but you're not doing the things that God has asked you to do. Your walk. Your relationship. To understand it is very important for us to to understand that you're pursuing peace with all people, but you're also pursuing holiness in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. And as the Lord, uh, as we think about that aroma that we're supposed to make here, one of the things that we have to understand is that that God is the has his son as the conductor. And we are the body of Christ. We're the orchestra. And each one of you have a different instrument. Each one of you should be able to play your instrument to tune. But some of you can't. Some of you can't find your winds. What are those little reeds that you need for your clarinet? You can't find your sticks for the drums. Can't find the bow for the, the violins. We call them fiddles where I come from. You're not prepared. The conductor's act asking you, hey, I need you to play, and you're not ready. Your walk's not there. But he also asked that from the church. He asked us as we pursue righteousness, we pursue holiness. He's asking us as a body of Christ, can you be on tune? If I call on you, will you be ready? Are you pursuing holiness? Holiness is part of our sanctification. The reason why I say pursuing is because you still have this little problem called sin. We all have it. And as much as you pursue righteousness and holiness, every now and then, that sin problem comes up and has to be dealt with. But see, if we are to have our instruments ready to play, then we are to 
know where our instruments are and one of the things that he talks about is like as he is the conductor christ he's saying look i need you to walk in these three things i need you to walk in love i need you to walk in the light i need you to walk in the wisdom empowered by the holy spirit but will you do that let's look at our first point and walking in love in verse 1 it says therefore be imitators of god as dear children Dear children, all of us who have given our hearts to Christ are God's children. We all are. I know you're probably looking at your mom and dad and you're thinking that is not a child. But you probably can say, hey, they act like a child sometimes, right? We do. We do. We have a sin problem too. We do. We are to be imitators of God. That word that is used there is actually mimic to mimic and and that therefore that's there is actually just connecting what he was given to you in chapter four he's saying look those things that you put away and that you 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 put away for good you put on these things i want you to mimic christ i want you to continue as you put those things away to walk with christ mimicking god we are to mimic god that is the word that's used there for imitators in the greek so what kind of person do you mimic? If you look at a, a child, if you have a, a young one that's around you under five years old, they'll mimic everything that you do. You say things that you're not supposed to say, guess what? That child will eventually say something he's not supposed to say. Where did he hear it from? School? No, he heard it from the house. He heard it from the house. See, simply the thing that we are to mimic is Jesus. And so what qualities should we look for in people that we are to mimic? First off, you, as we look at Christ, we, we should have integrity and dignity. And we talked about our speech last week, that it should be edifying with grace. In Titus chapter 2, verses 7 through 8, it says, In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and corruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed having nothing evil to say of you. I do not have to defend myself. God does that. And when I do speak, when I, do speak I want it to, to edify, to try to build up. If I have to correct you, I want to try to build you up, to do it in love and truth. But there has to be integrity by the things that I say. There has to be a reverence to God in the way that I act. Jesus, as we look to mimic, we, we want to mimic uh, a life that is of purity. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. In purity. We mimic and we follow what we're taught in Scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul urged them. He says, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Why? Because I walked with Christ. You could see my life and see that I was following God. You do what I do as Christ did. We mimic those who receive the gospel with joy in the midst of suffering. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, and you became followers of us. And of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of, of the Holy Spirit. You received the word. In your time of affliction, in your time of trials, in your time of suffering, the word of God is the key to your life. 
When you're in the valley, it's the Word of God that guides you through it. But he says here that with joy in the, of the Holy Spirit, like you have the Holy Spirit in you. Yes, you're sad, but you have the joy of knowing that you'll be there someday. That your tent will be folded up too. Every one of us will die. And the question is, is where will we end up? But see, what happens is a lot of times when we go through afflictions or we go through suffering, we run from God. We run from the Word. We run from prayer. Don't do that. Mimic Christ. Be an imitator of Christ. Christ spent time in prayer. He spent time in the Word. He quoted Scripture more, more to the, to the devil and to the, to the uh, Sadducees and Pharisees. He was quoting them Scripture of the Old Testament. Have it on your heart stored up. You may not have joy in the moment, but you have joy because you belong to Jesus. You're His. You're His child. We mimic Jesus. How do we do that? We simply be obedient, humble, and be a servant. We're obedient, we're humble, and we're a servant. Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 through 8. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of man, and he being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So for us, as we walk with Christ, and those that have been walking with Christ for some time, your job is to disciple someone. You should be discipling someone. And someone should be discipling you. And you're teaching them to mimic Christ. That's it. But if you're not walking with Christ, don't disciple them, please. You shouldn't be discipling anybody till your walk's correct. So when I simply, what I do when, when, we're, when, when we teach people or I disciple someone, it's, it's some simple steps that I do. And I added this to the notes. I'm sorry, Miss Floor. This was something I, over this, this uh, weekend, decided that needed to be in here. So simply this. So when I'm working with somebody, I do this. This is step one. I do, you watch, we talk. Step two, I do, you help, we talk. Step three, you do, I help, we talk. Step four, you do, I watch, we talk. And step five is you do, and you start teaching somebody else. And there is no SOP for that except the Word of God. Okay? It's the Word of God. You mimic. Uh, a very good instance of that is, is Kirk. Uh, I didn't teach him to go out there and start taking out the trash and start blowing up. He started doing that on his own. I did it, showed him, and then he started doing it. Same thing with Court. I mean, Tony would be proud to see that spool and to see the cords rolled up as neatly as he had them this week because he mimicked what he was taught by his discipler. It's important that we do these things, but it's important that somebody's discipling you as well. You always, even for me, I still need discipleship, and I have that. I have that. I have a group of pastors not only here in town but outside of town in San Antonio. It's important that we have that. And it's something that has been lost in the church. And so one of the things, like, if I want you to mimic Christ, I want you to, like, if you're a godly husband and a godly father or a godly wife and a godly mother, teach that to that younger couple. Teach it. Show them. Walk with them. It's going to get messy. 
but mimic Christ. Verse 2, it says, And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So the first thing he says is you mimic, is you are to mimic or to imitate walking in the love of Christ. That is agape love, sacrificial love. It's a love where you expect nothing in return. And it's the love that Christ had for us on the cross. I can't do this on my own without being empowered by the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit and was given to us. It's been given to each of us that belong to Him. If you're a child of God, God's love has been poured out into your heart. So I will say this for all you crotchety old men. Because we get, I don't know what it is as we get older. God's love has been poured out into your heart. You need to, if it's not coming out, the well's going dry. You need, to, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to be able to walk in love. Your kids need that. Your adult children need hugs. I got a, I got a rule, though. If you're going to hug me, you got to keep it, let's keep it under a minute. Because it's, it's like, come on, man, I can't hold, I can barely hold myself up with my legs. And I'm trying to hold you up now, too. But I love you. I try to tell that to my kids, and, you know, I, I know I can do more of that. So when I look at this, I'm going, you know what, that love's been poured out in my heart. Am I, am I expressing that love to others? And it starts with my family, with my marriage. And then it comes into the church. and has to be practiced there, and it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's why when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, the first fruit is what? Love. It's love. You can't have joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control without love, without agape love. And that's the same love that, that was exhibited on the cross. And, and he says, if you're walking in love, it should be an offering and a sacrifice to God that is a sweet-smelling aroma. What type of aroma are you making this morning? Seriously, in your walk with Christ... Just this month, we just ended September 30th. Today's October 1st. How was, your, how was your September? Was it a sweet smelling aroma to God? In Genesis chapter 8, verses 20 and 21, it says, Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered a burnt offering on the altar, and the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. It should be a soothing aroma. Your, your time, your talent, your treasure, your offering to the Lord should be a soothing aroma. You're a sacrifice. If nobody has not told you that, you're to die daily. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. You are to present yourself, your body, as a living sacrifice, your time, your talent, your treasure. And that's not just here in this church. Your time, your talent, your treasure as a husband, as a father, as a wife, as a mother, 
as parents to children, children to parents, at your job, in this community, and in this church. He tells you, like, you've got to get rid of the world. What's happening now with too many Christians is they're being conformed to this world. They're allowing the world to adapt and mold their minds and it's causing problems within the church because they're pulling things that are unacceptable to God that are unholy. But he says if you renew your mind with God's word and you pursue holiness and, and it's a reasonable service, you've been called to serve. But he says then you'll know what? The perfect will of God. If you're not connected to the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're not being guided by God's word, you will not know the will of God for your life. If your sacrifice is stinky and smelly, and I would say any 13 to 17-year-old boy, they don't change their socks. I don't know what's wrong with them. You walk in the room, it's like, whew, that's an odor. Is that your walk? Is it like an old sock that's been worn for two weeks during football practice, during class, at the dance, and then back home, and you still wear it the next week for school. Boys are, that's how boys are. But that's a stinky smell. Let me tell you something. When you walk into a room with that stench, it hits you. And that's not the smell you want to make to the Lord. Now he gets into some things that we are not supposed to walk in. And he's telling you these things should not even be named among you. But fornication. Fornication uh, and uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not be named among you as in fitting for the saints. Fornication is pornea, pornography. Now, it used to be only a problem that men have. Now, today, women are, and young youth are getting addicted to it. Kids as early as the age of six, six years old, are addicted to pornography. Because why? You hand them these and you let them go. You don't check what's on these. And, and, and so when we talk about just pornography, that's where we get our word pornography, pornea. But the word pornea that Paul is talking about here is any sexual immorality. Any. So if the reason why he brings this up is he's trying to reach the Gentiles. Remember we had the Jews, the legalistic Jews and the Gentiles that he was writing to. And he's trying to reach the Gentiles because the Gentiles actually worshipped at the the temple of Diana. And part of that worship was sexual morality. You had sex with other people. Men to men, women to women, multiple, whatever, married, whatever. That was considered worship. And he's trying to tell them, look, anything that's sexual morality, anything outside the marriage bed, husband and wife, is a sin. It's a sin. And see, we don't teach that to our kids, but I want to take this one step further. If you're trying to introduce pornography in your marriage bed, which is considered worship as husband and wife, it's sexual morality. You're in sin. If you're a husband looking at pornography and your wife doesn't know about it, you're in sexual morality. You're in sin. If you're a wife, same thing, looking at it, you're in sin. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, it says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual morality. Abstain from sexual morality. And he, he tells you in Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 to 28, if you're looking at pornography, you've already committed adultery. I just want to let you know that. You have heard it 
that it was said to those old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with, with her in his heart. And you can reverse that and you can put, if you've looked at a man with lust, same thing. That's fornication. It can't be named among you. You're a child of God. You are to walk in love and, and you can't have that around you. The other thing he talks about is uncleanliness. And the uncleanliness he's talking about is filthiness of the heart and mind. And when we talk about filthiness of the heart and mind, the word that's used, Paul uses, is a wound that's oozing pus. That's your heart and your mind. It's infected. And it's oozing out. You're full of uncleanliness. And we're seeing this now more and more today because we see that uh, there was a Barna survey that was done that 23% of Christians don't believe that there's moral truth. That the Bible is, is, is without error. They believe that there is absolute truth, which means that there is it's situational ethics, meaning that I defined what is truth. I define what is truth, even though the Word of God makes it very clear. Do you understand the other reason for gender, gender uh, dysphoria? The reason for that is because it kills the patriarchy of the house. And how did God make it? We're going to get into that next week as we talk about marriage. God put the husband in charge and, has to, and look, he's got to answer for all of that. I gave you this wife. I gave you these children. What did you do with it? How did you treat them? You'll deal with all of that. But the reason why we, we are seeing more and more Christians that, that say, no, you define what your truth is. If you want to be a boy, go ahead. You define your truth. The Bible is just a book that, we, that guides us. It's not really applicational. It's not, you know, it's stories and stuff. That's not true. God's word is breathed out. God's word is inerrant. And we can't make that same mistake. We can't adapt things into our culture that go against God's word. Meaning that we see things that we know go against God's word. And yet we're allowing that to, to become uncleanliness in our own heart. Next thing you know, you're oozing out. You're marching in a pride rally as a Christian. Or you're championing transgender. transgender uh, like, you know, the, the, the craziest part about it, I was listening to that this morning on parent, uh, licensed to parent. And they were talking about it. They said that the reason why there are more females that are doing it, it's up by, it's up by 4,000% uh, in England. By 4,000% girls turn into boys and they say because girls flock together right and one does it and they see that the other one's getting attention and they all just start doing it and they're like well she's getting all this attention i want the same attention and they had sat down with this 11 year old girl and they had been groomed in school they even had a changing room that was separate from the school with clothes for the child to change into without the parent knowing and you know what her problem was all the kids in her class, the boys were ugly to her. She's like, none of them look cute. And all these other girls have all picked boyfriends, and I don't have one. And they were like, you understand that these aren't the only kids. There are other classes. But she allowed herself to be pulled into that. And so we can't adapt or, 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 or accept those things that are uncleanliness to God's word. Just because we, you want to be part of the culture and say, no, you define your truth. No, God defines it. God defines it, and that's the problem. The church needs to get back to 
as we talk about being the light, we need to be the light. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Con- uh, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. That's what we are to be as we see uncleanliness in this world. Covetousness or greed. It was actually one of the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor. The word here for covetousness or greed that is used is actually when you acquire more and more possessions to the point where you forget the possessions or the possessions own you. So here's my application for you today, for each one of us, because I got hit with this hard this week as I'm looking at this verse and I'm looking at my garage. I want you to go home today and anybody else watching this or catching this online, you can do this too. Simple application, go around your house, go through your closet, go through your jewelry box, go through your garage. Is your house exploding with stuff? And if you have a Lord, if you have a uh, storage shed, we got a whole other issue. I want you to look and see if there is anything that you have in there that you forgot and you bought it. Like you just completely forgot you bought it. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 